0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the m M&M Hockey Podcast, as always I'm your host Alex Metzger and today it is just me again. I am going solo. Uh, Chase is actually in Nashville for the NHL draft. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say that, but I don't think it's much of a secret. So, uh, but yeah, that's super exciting, but we, it unfortunately meant we couldn't work our schedules together. However, we didn't record last week because there wasn't much going on, but oh my, has there been a bunch going on uh, this week. So, And with uh, the long weekend coming up, Canada Day, or sorry, July, yeah. I mean, Canada Day and July 1st, that's when the free agency is. That's right on the weekend, uh, so we won't be around for that either. Um, So we will be recording early next week, recapping all of free agency, and we will get Chase's uh, take on some of these big trades as well. And I think we'll kind of, on those episodes, really highlight what each team has done over the draft and free agency, as I'm sure there will be lots more happening. I'm recording this at about 11 p.m., on the night before the draft so uh it'll be out on draft day uh and lots to listen to and talk about i'm sure after that day as well but uh so much has happened between the last time we recorded till now that i felt like it was just too much to really leave and i want to hit on some of the the high level stuff that has happened so that's exactly what i'm going to do today and and uh stick with me because it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, where we're going to start is uh, there's been some trades, some signings and a couple buyouts. And we're going to start in the buyout because there's one really big name and that is Oliver Ekman Larson. The Vancouver Canucks have decided to buy the final four years of his contract out just a year or two years after trading for him. Um, He now he will have a cap hit on their books for eight seasons uh, it'll cost them 2.126 million dollars per season has 146k cap it this year so it's saved, that's where the big savings are saves them like six something million this year and then it goes to 2.34 4.7 4.7 2.1 2.1 2.1 2.1 um so I, I think the idea here is for vancouver obviously massive cap savings this year uh which they they really need you know it, it hasn't been a secret that they're not uh you know, they're not in the best place cap wise and with just how they've spent some of their money. Uh, And then I think, you know, if you're Vancouver, that the plan is to hope that the cap goes up by 10, 15 million dollars in the next five to six years. Um I don't think this is particularly the smartest thing in the world. I think if, if I was Vancouver, I, I would have rather just hold on to him for another year or two and see if you can't either buy it out in two years when you're you know the, the cap it would only be a four-year length or or what but I mostly say that just because I, I really I really don't understand what the Canucks are going for here I, I kind of you know I it's clear that they think they want to make the playoffs I just don't know if they're that good of a team like I keep seeing people say well they got the elite centerman elite defenseman elite goalie possibly in uh, Pedersen uh, Demko and Hughes but I do they really have that and we have not seen all three of those players put it together and be elite for a full season at the same time ever you know petterson's had some good years and been hurt hughes has had a good year to, or a great year too but then you know at other times hasn't looked like the quite elite defenseman we thought he's still a very good defenseman but i don't know if i consider him elite and same with thatcher demko has had a good re- uh, elite year and a half and then has been injured or hasn't played up to his standards at the same time as well so you know, if that's the three that you're going off of, I just I don't really see the upside play here, which is why I don't exactly understand. Um the team that arguably gets screwed the most on this is the Arizona Coyotes, uh, who now, because they retain salary, also have this as a buyout, which you know was always gonna be a possibility. And the cap hit's only about six hundred and fifty K, 20k this year, 320k, 650, 650, 290, 290, 290, 290. So it's not going to be a big deal, especially in the next couple of years. We know this hurricane or this hurricane, the Coyotes team is not going to be anywhere near the cap. But what really sucks for the Arizona Coyotes is that it is eight years where they are going to have a retention salary spot taken up because they are technically retaining salary on this contract for the entire eight-year term now. So that is now one of the slots they are not allowed to use for eight years. And it just kind of limits their ability a little bit, you know? Like, it's not the end of the world. It's just one of those things where it's definitely not ideal. And, you know, even when they tried to make the trade to get off of OEL, I don't think anyone would have predicted a a buyout within two years. You know, Chase and I were very, very, um, very... critical of the trade, sorry, is the the word I'm looking for here at the time, but even I didn't really think it was going to be leading up to a buyout this quickly. Um, you know, that being said, I don't exactly feel that bad for Arizona. They This is a team with Jacob Voracek, Shea Weber, Brian Little, all on their cap right now, um, and it sounds like they might be picking up more guys, so um, at the end of the day, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, OEL on the market. It'll be interesting to see what he goes for from here. Um, there'll definitely be a spot for him, and And generally speaking, I think it'll be really interesting to see where he goes to rebuild his value. Um, I could see him being the type of guy who goes to a cup contending team, whether it's Colorado, whether it's Tampa, for dirt cheap for a year and just completely rebuilds his value up. Or I could see him being a a Ryan Suter type where he looks for a three or four year kind of deal because, you know, he, he is still... At the age where he might be looking at it, um, you know, obviously his time was a disaster in uh, in Vancouver. I still think there's a player there. It's just not, it's definitely not the top pair guy we saw a number of years ago, and it's probably not even, you know, he can't be a matchup guy. I think you kind of got to let him feast uh, in in a sheltered role, maybe as a number four, number five Um, and if you're paying him a million or 2 million bucks or whatever, if that's what he takes, I think that'll be good. But yeah, you definitely got to stay away from giving him obviously the contract that he just got. Um, but especially just, you know, even, even term, like I just think it's, he's probably going to rebuild his value with a one year deal and it'll be interesting to see where he goes. So, um, the other two buyouts were from the Arizona Coyotes themselves. They bought Patrick Nemeth and Zach Cassian, who both had one year left on their deal, Um, I don't, uh, I don't know. Like, I, I don't really understand this, to be honest. Um, I just don't get why they did it. Maybe they were being nice to the player. Like, Zach Cassian had two goals and no assists in 51 games for Coyotes last year. That's atrocious, obviously. But, like, the Coyotes aren't trying to be good this year. What, like, what does it matter if Zach Cassian's playing on your fourth line or whatever? You know? Like, I, I just... I don't know. I, just confusing ones to me for a team that uh, hasn't hit the floor yet and they just paid, um, you know, like they, they just acquired guys and they, they still <clears throat> are nowhere. I don't even think they're near the floor yet. Like they're $55 million projected cap hit right now. So I guess they are kind of close to it. But like they have $29 million in cap space. Do you really need to buy out Cassian and Nemeth? Like you have five NHL defensemen on your roster and one of them and then. Six signed forwards so far, you know. Now, they'll probably sign Matias Macelli, Jack McBain, and Christian Fisher. Um, But I I don't know. I just, these seem like strange moves to me, but it is what it is. Um, Those are the buyouts that I wanted to touch on tons of trades here. So I'm going to just rip off some smaller ones really quick. Let's start with uh, Arizona and what they did. They picked up Sean Dersey for a 2024 second round pick, uh, which is the Montreal Canadiens pick, actually. Uh, I kind of like this for LA in terms of Dersey, you know, had a bit of an off year. They have a log jam there. Uh, getting the Montreal pick is definitely the solid one because that'll probably be, you know, uh, like a late first, you know, if they say like that'll be in the 37, 38 range. Um, For the Coyotes, they have four picks in the second round next year anyways. Uh, Keep talking about it. So they have their own pick this year. They also have Ottawa's, which is 12th overall in the first round. They have their own second. They have four-thirds this year, a fourth, two-fifths, two-sixths. Next year, they now have – they picked up Sean Dursey. They have their own first, three-seconds still, three-thirds, two-fourths, two-sevenths. And in three years, in 2025, they already have four second-round picks and two third-round picks as well. And and they'll probably keep getting more as they – trade guys away as well. Um, I really like the Sean pick pickup for them. Uh, he can play both sides, but I think he'll primarily play the right side and be their number one right D. Uh, you know, it, it just gives them a guy there, and there is legitimately upside here too, where like, This could be a piece where if he plays well, maybe you give him a a five by five, or maybe not that great, but it could be something in there where maybe you get him at five by five and in four years when you're actually trying to be a good team in three to four years, like it's a a piece that's really helping you along and sheltering some younger guys. So I really like the Sean Dursey pickup for them and for LA, again, like it's not the end of the world because they have so many pieces anyways that uh, I, I think this was a pretty good job of recouping some assets. Um, And it uh, cleared some cap space up for them to make another massive move. Uh, So let's just jump right to that. They pick up Pierre-Luc Dubois and sign him to, it's a sign and trade, so he technically signs with the Winnipeg Jets. Eight years, $8.5 million per year, is immediately flipped to the LA Kings. Going back to the Winnipeg Jets, Jets is Gabriel Velarde, Alex Ifala, Rasmus Kupari, and a 2024 second-round pick, which is the exact one they just got for Sean Dursey. Uh, so you could you could almost look at a Sean Dursey in that trade instead. Um, we're going to talk about this one more with Chase for sure. Uh, Rasmus Kupari was a t- first-round pick, 20th overall, in 2018. Uh, I'll be interested to get Chase's take on on how he has been doing and where his model is uh, on him. He had 15 points in 66 games last year, 13 57 with uh, LA the year before. He just really hasn't broken on to be a full NHL contributor. And you know, as uh, he can play center, left wing, and right wing, but as a 23 year old, he kind of seems like a depth piece. Um, I'm I, I I want to get Chase's opinion on this because I, I really a I think. The easy take is definitely that Winnipeg crushed this trade. Um, I, I think that's a no-brainer. They get Gabriel Velarde, who is an RFA. He, uh, he needs a contract, but uh, I think he, you know, he obviously sign with them. Um, I love Velarde. I've always loved Velarde. You know, now that he's trying to stay healthy a little bit more too, and or no, not trying. You know, he just is staying healthy. I should say. Um, I really like this pickup for Winnipeg. I think they were in a tough spot anyways, um, and. I don't necessarily agree with the whole they needed guys to keep going for it or whatever. Um, but at 23 years old, Gabriel Velarde is a very good piece to target. Uh, I honestly think there there is a world still where we're looking back and Velarde is close to as good as Pierre-Luc Dubois. That might be a very hot take. Um, and, you know, I, I'm not saying it's an absolute given or anything like that. You know, Velarde had 23 goals, 18 assists, 41 points in 63 games last year. You know, Dubois is definitely the better player, but... Uh, and then they also get Alex I follows, 29. He's got two more years at $4 million. To me, this is another pretty perfect guy where he's going to play on the team this year. They can be there, try and be competitive or whatever the heck they want to do. And then next year, they can flip him if they want to start a rebuild when Ehlers is up. Shifley will be off the books. Wheelers will, Wheeler will be off the books as well. Um, you know, they have a bunch of decisions to make uh, uh, heading into next year anyways. So, um, no, I, I really like this trade. I think, you know, and then getting the second round pick, obviously... Like I said, it's Montreal's. It'll be probably in the 35 to 39 range, kind of in there. Um, so that that's pretty good value. I, I could, for Pierre-Luc Dubois, who, yeah, I really wasn't sure that how much they were going to get for his RFA rights. But when you use the sign-and-trade, which we're seeing more and more teams do uh, to a su- su- successful advantage, like it's just, it's really good to see. Um, so I'm really going to be curious to see how Dubois fits into this uh, LA team. I do think this is a good fit for him. You know, I'm not, uh, I haven't been the highest on Pierre-Luc Dubois, but I I think as a number two or even three C on LA, that is a pretty filthy way to stack up. Uh, Kopitar's got one more year at $10 million. Uh, Chase and I, like, I'm really on the boat that Kopitar will just come back for uh, the the stall deal that we'll get to in a bit, uh, you know, where he signs like a four-year $2 million, maybe just takes it one year at a time, $2 million kind of thing. Uh, I think 8.5 is a little steep, to be honest, for Pierre-Luc Dubois, but I do think that at 25 years old, there is potential for him to really help this offense, and I don't mind L.A. taking the swing either, you know, we kind of talk about a lot of the times where L.A., they did an awesome retool, they got a bunch of good prospects, but, you know, like, Gwyneth Byfield hasn't really panned out as they thought, even Gabe Velarde didn't pan out as they thought, Arthur Kaliev hasn't quite panned out as they were hoping, they haven't found that big punch. And I think they are really hoping that Pierre-Luc Dubois can come and help be that. And he doesn't have to be a top-20 center. If, you know, you run Kopitar, Deneau, and Dubois down the middle for the next two, three years. And Dubois is the 30th best center in the league. Deneau's is the thirty fifth best center in the league. And Kopitar is the 41st best center in the league. you got really good depth there. So, um, no, I, I really like this trade from both sides, honestly. Um, you know, I, I think it, it's got to be—it'll be—, it'll be for the jet side of things, it's good value right now, but it'll depend what they do going forward. You know, I really think they should try and restart here. I think they should look to the West and, you know, Calgary, how perfect of an opportunity they had last year, and they kind of screwed it up. And, and Calgary can still kind of uh, uh, make a deal or two still to, to try and do a quick rebuild, re, retool here. But I really think that's what Winnipeg should be looking to do. You know, they're, they're a fringe playoff team. They make the playoffs, but they're not going farther than the first round, and that's just what it is. So, yeah. Um, yeah, let's move on to uh, another trade. So uh, I'm just trying to think of where we were. Ryan Johansson, that's that's probably the, the next big one here. The Colorado Avalanche acquire Ryan Johansson from the Nashville Predators at 50% retained. So $4 million for, I believe it's two more seasons. Uh, and in exchange, it is just future... Cons- I'm sorry, it's Alex Galchenyuk, who is uh, UFA this year. So basically future considerations going back. I doubt naturally even re him, but uh, he won't be a piece even if he does. Um, I love this trade from the Colorado Avalanche perspective. This is a classic. Uh, I- I'm really shocked that the-, the Preds could get nothing for Ryan Johansson. On on, on the way back, I think this is a a buy low candidate where, yeah, there's definitely um, risk involved in terms of there's he does still make four million dollars, but he's going to slide down, play with much better players than he was playing with in Nashville. And he's also going to be in a better spot, you know, further down the lineup where, you know, obviously he's going to be playing behind Nathan McKinnon. You know, he's going to probably slot into that 2C role, but he might even be playing, you know. Behind someone like our. Art- Actually, I guess our Art- Terry is a winger, but he'll be playing with, you know, guys like Leckinen. Ranton can play in the middle if he needs to as well. So I really, really like this pickup uh, if I am a uh, Colorado Avalanche fan. I-, I think it's relatively low risk. I mean, Johansson's 30, uh, but he only has two more years on the deal. And. You know, even last year with his, you know, quote unquote. Uh, uh, I mean, he did have a yeah, did have a down year. Twenty eight points in fifty five games, just not going to cut it in terms of that. But let's say he even has, you know, twenty eight points in fifty five games. I mean, it's. Uh, I'm just doing the math here quickly. Over an eighty two game pace, that's. Um, oh, and I lost it. It is uh, forty one point seven points. So half a point per game. Even if he can get up to fifty points, that is. Absolutely worth four million dollars. Uh, and again, I think you know him going to a bit better of a team is going to help him a lot. So, uh, we'll, we'll touch on that one a little more too when, when Chase gets back. But I really like that pickup, uh, from the Colorado Avalanche. Um, they also then trade, um, because they don't have the cap room, you know, that four million dollars a lot. The, the Avalanche still have a ton of uh decisions to make too, uh, up front. They have Seven forwards signed and five defensemen. They have about seven UFAs and Dennis Malgin is an RFA up front. And then Bowen Byram needs a contract this year on the back end. Uh, so that's going to be a, a tough decision for them to make. They have about uh, $8.5 million in cap space to to try and re-sign. I mean, six forwards, basically Bowen and Byram and, and another cheap defenseman as well. Um, But one of the things where they decide to save some money is they trade uh, Alex Newhook to the Montreal Canadiens in exchange for a first-round pick in the 2023 entry draft, which is actually Florida's pick, so it's pick 31, and then Montreal's own second-round pick, which is pick 37 in this draft. Uh, what a deal for the Colorado Avalanche. This is the exact kind of trade they need to make, in my opinion. Uh, they have absolutely emptied the cupboards. They already don't have their, they don't have their second, third, or fourth this year, but they now have two firsts and a second in a good draft. They already don't have next year's second or third or 2025 second as well. So this is going to allow them to probably... Either flip it for another piece, but I think they probably take a couple prospects in the first 37 picks there. And, and again, what's supposed to be a pretty solid draft and really try and restock that prospect pool so that they can get cheap guys on their ELCs for a couple years down the road. Or if, you know, they want to make another big run at it in two years and they feel they need a big piece, one of those prospects are almost guaranteed going to be able to be in the mix. So uh, I love this deal from the Colorado Avalanche. You know, I think you know, Ryan Johansson is... Just as good, if not better, than New Hook. You know, obviously New Hook still has the upside being 22, turning 20, twenty-three, I wanna say, uh years old. But I, I just think that, you know, for that value, considering they gave absolutely nothing to get Ryan Johansson uh and, and they get him at half price as well. And then you also flip Newhook for a first and a second, like that that's just a extremely good value. Um from Montreal side, I, I can't say I understand this, to be honest. I I, I get they want to make their team better. That that has been very clear. But, uh, you know, they're still a ways away from competing. They're in a tough division as well. Like, you know, people don't want to talk about, I mean, people have been talking about how good the Atlantic is too. But if you're Montreal, you don't always, you don't just have to worry about uh, Toronto and Tampa and Florida. You know, they are three really good teams. Boston's a really good team. We're expecting to take a step back if Bergeron and Krejci don't return. But still a very solid team. But you're also behind Buffalo, who looked really good last year. Ottawa, who looked good at times and are still a very clear step ahead of you. And even Detroit, who I'm not the biggest fan of how Detroit's built this team, but they're better than the Montreal Canadiens. So you're clearly eighth in your own division. I just don't really get why you're giving a first and a second round pick. Like They only have one pick in the first two rounds now of this year, and they're they're supposed to be rebuilding still. So and, And again, they do have prospects and stuff, but... I don't know. I, to me, it just seems like a bit of an unnecessary trade at that value specifically. Um, I, I don't hate Newhook the player. You know, he hasn't panned out in Colorado. Maybe some fresh teams will will give him a, a bit of a kickstart that he needs in Montreal. But I, I really didn't understand this one, if I'm going to be honest, from from the Montreal Canadiens' perspective. But uh, for Colorado, I'd say this is a really, really tidy week. And again, smart team do smart things, so it really shouldn't uh, really shouldn't surprise anyone. So. Um, let's go to another team that had to shed some salary, and that's the Boston Bruins, who have to cap-dump Taylor Hall. <laughs> Jeez, excuse me. I'm not even going to cut that out. Uh, they had to cap-dump Taylor Hall. I've been talking for 21 minutes straight here. With Nick Foligno's contract uh, in return for Ian Mitchell and Alex, Alec Regula, um, you know, fringe kind of guys, I would say. Uh, Ian Mitchell is a 20, 24-year-old, um, sorry. Uh, who has played a little bit of time in the NHL with Chicago? He played 39 games, eight games, 35 games, but you know, definitely supposed to be a, a bit of a fringe guy on, on defense there. Um, basically, just a, a straight cap dump um, because they, they they need the space, and you know they have the Bergeron overages coming this year, and uh, you know Taylor. I was surprised that Taylor Hall was the man out because you know everyone was. Absolutely going nuts about how you know this team is so good because they have Taylor Hall on their third line or whatever, and like he didn't put up great numbers this year in terms of a point producing thing, but that's because he was on the third line, he was still a very effective player this year. Um, and I kind of wonder if they're going to regret moving him or, you know, it, like that just signals that it's going to be a clear step back because now not only have you lost your top two centers in Bergeron and Krejci, but you're also just lost one of your best wingers in Taylor Hall as well. Uh, and you don't really have any draft uh, capital to speak of. So they have about $10.9 million in projected space, but, um, you know, like they only have six forward sign right now. And uh, yeah, it sounds like they kind of want to re-sign Dmitry Orlov, which Okay, but like, even then, they already have seven defensemen side. I think they're going to have to move on from Mike Riley, maybe even to, uh, Matt Grizzlick as well. That they'll probably look to move on three million, three point six that those guys make. So I wouldn't be surprised if Boston's not done. But from Chicago's point of view, I lo- love this deal. Absolutely love this deal. Uh, you know, we've been talking. You know, Chase and I discussed a little bit how it's going to be interesting to see what Chicago does now that they tra- they're going to draft Bedard. You know, tonight as people are listening to this first overall because this team isn't really this isn't the Edmonton Oilers even when they got McDavid where they were ready to step in but I really love the Taylor Hall addition because it gives them a guy that he's going to be able to play with a skilled player that he can play alongside with so you can play Taylor Hall on one side maybe Tyler Johnson or Athanasiu and then they pay Nick Foligno four million dollars for one year I have never seen a more obvious move to just say hey we're getting to the cap uh, they do have two firsts this year two first next year two firsts in 2025 four second round picks this year, two thirds this year. Uh, next year, they already have two seconds, 2025, they already have two seconds, and they have two uh, thirds for next year as well. So they are absolutely stacked with draft picks. So they're gonna be able to make some moves. And with 27 and a half million dollars in cap space, I wouldn't be shocked if we're looking at Chicago as a team that takes on a couple more guys, kind of like that Taylor Hall mold, where teams go, Yeah, this is a good player, but we just can't afford to keep him. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's how they try and surround Connor Bedard, as they, you know, probably look to be near the bottom of the standings for another year, but obviously don't want to just throw Bedard to the wind. So, absolutely love this deal from the Chicago Blackhawks side of things. Um, I, I guess it's kind of just needed from Boston, but don't love it, you know, if I'm. Boston, to be honest, uh, I mean it's not the end of the world, but um, yeah, just a uh, good good job for Chicago using their cap space in a in a good way. Um, Philadelphia continues to sell uh, Kevin Hayes at three point five million dollars, retain fifty percent, goes to the St. Louis Blues for a sixth round pick. Um, you know, even at fifty percent, he only gets a sixth round pick, so that kind of shows you the value that it is there. Um, St. Louis is another team where... I don't know, man. Like, I... Hayes has three more. Hayes at uh, 3.5 is a a very solid pickup. I I do think that is a a very useful pickup that if I'm surprised more teams weren't in on. Hayes does have a modified no trade clause so maybe that affected things as well Um, but you know like he he had a down year in Philly or a couple down years and even last year he had 54 points in 81 games. 3.5 million dollars. You will absolutely take that so I'm a little surprised more people weren't in on this. um, For Philly, you would have liked to get more, I think, if you're a fan. But honestly, like that, that contract just wasn't good. It wasn't good the day it was signed. And I think if I'm a fan, I'm still happy that Danny Breer seems to be committing to this rebuild. Where it's another guy out, another big salary name kind of out there. And and we'll see what happens. But um, yeah, that, that's all I have really on that one as well. Um, and then, other than that, the the Devils made a pair of trades as well. And I uh, will get to those in a second. Uh, But first, I would like to thank our sponsors at Athletic Greens. Their signature AG1 replaces key health products in one simple scoop. AG1 combines nine health products working together as one, replacing your multivitamin, multi-mineral, pre- and probiotics, immunity support, and more. That means AG1 does more for your body and saves you time, money, and confusion compared to taking multiple unique products. Simply follow the link in our show description and get started today. Uh, yeah, the last couple moves here, uh, from a trade perspective anyways, was the New Jersey Devils making a pair of swaps, and one include uh, dumping McKenzie Blackwood signing rights to the San Jose Sharks in exchange for a sixth-round pick. Um, good for the Devils for getting anything from Blackwood, who, you know, just frankly isn't very good. Um, San Jose, like, I, he, I it's a fine... Pick up in terms of, yeah, you may as well try. You don't care if you're good this year anyways, so you may as well try a guy like Blackwood. I don't really understand why this was a sixth-round pick, but it's not the end of the world. Um, and then the move I love for the New Jersey Devils, they pick up Tyler Toffoli at $4.25 million from the Calgary Flames for Yegar Sharangovich and a 2023 third-round pick. Tyler Toffoli is the exact player that uh, the, the New Jersey Devils need to keep adding. Uh, I've just loved what the Devils have done. Um, you know, they, they still need to get Meyer, Timo Meyer, onto a long-term deal. That's got to be the last big piece uh, of uh, news they have as well, uh, probably. And then um, I did see they were allowing people to talk to Miles Wood, I believe it was. Um, but this, um, this Toffoli, he obviously only has one more year, at 4.25. He's going to replace Thomas Tatar perfectly, in my opinion. Um, this will now allow. Tatar to, to walk to free agency. I mean, if he wants to come back on a cheap deal, great. But this is just like, this is the exact guy, you know, like we, we talked about. They still have um, $19 million in cap space. Again, I'm assuming a, a good chunk of that is going to go to uh, Timo Meyer. They need to re sign Kevin Ball as well. Um, you know, he won't take up too, too much, but you want to be careful because, you know, Luke, Luke Hughes is going to be up in a couple years as well. So uh, it's just something that they definitely want to keep their books open and while they can. Uh, but I just absolutely love this Tyler DeFoley trade. It's a trade where you're going to resupplement your depth scoring there. Tyler DeFoley is a very underrated player. He's been awesome everywhere he's gone. So uh, absolutely love this deal from the devil side of things. And from the Calgary Flames, uh, I, I think it's good. You know, they said that change needs to be made. I think this is the right first step. Uh, you know, I would have probably, I don't know what the, the market would have been there. Um, I probably would have rather see them get, uh, um, you know, a, a higher pick than three, if it meant even you know not getting Sharon Govich back, but uh, who's twenty five and just you know kind of a fringe, not fringe NHLer, but bottom six guy. You know, thirty points in seventy five games, forty six in seventy six the year before. He's an effective NHL player, but I don't know. I just think I rather would have would have rather see them get a, like a second or something back. And it is their own third. Funny enough, I'm not sure when the pick was originally traded. I'm not going to try and figure that out. But they get their own third back for this year's draft pick number eighty. Um, but yeah, absolutely love this from the Devils, from the Flames. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to see they're starting to sell. I, I think they should sell on Backlund. I think they should sell high on Elias Lindholm while his value has never been higher. I think there's a good argument you could sign, so sell high on Dylan DuPay as well. Uh, and then on the back end, Noah Hannafin, Christopher Tanev, Nikita Zadorov should all be on for whatever you can get. Um, so it'll be still maybe a busy off season for the Calgary Flames. I think that is all the big trades that have been made. Uh, and again, I'm going to get Chase's opinion on some of these in terms of, you know, what he thinks of them from a, a player fit when we do our overall look at uh, at the, after free agency. Um couple signings that happened. Obviously, I already mentioned the Nick Foligno one. Again, one year, whatever, who cares? Jordan Stahl, 34 years uh, of age, signs a four-year deal and an average cap hit of $2.9 million. Very weird contract. You don't see older guys signing a four-year. You usually see one or two, take it one or two years at a time. But I got no problem with this. I, I think, you know, this may be at the very end of the year. You know, he might not be an NHL-caliber player. But even then, I think it'll be an easy enough deal where it's like, I don't think that yeah it doesn't I don't think has any trade protection or anything like that like I'm pretty sure Jordan Stahl, you know he, he's just either, he I could see him retiring flat up if, if this uh, deal goes awry at the end or you know if, if he just goes on LTIR or whatever like to me this doesn't feel like one where anyone in Carolina needs to worry about him screwing over a team or anything like that right so uh, and and a lot he does have a full no move clause in the first three years and then no trade clause in the fourth so there is protection there. Um, a lot of his salaries up front. He gets uh, 3.45 in year one, 3.4 in year two, 2.6 in year three, and then $2 million in year four. Weird enough, his only signing bonus is in year four. Uh, so that's probably a little adi- additional trade protection. Um, so definitely an interesting contract setup. But I mean, Jordan Stall is worth way more than $2.9 million right now. So that is going to be a very good deal while Carolina needs it. Uh, and then, other than that, I think we covered... No, maybe we didn't cover the Jesper Bratt extension. New Jersey locks down Jesper Bratt, 8 years, 7.85. I feel like we did. This this feels like uh, something that we did talk about, um, to be completely honest with you. Uh, and then they do also sign Eric Halla to a three-year deal at $3.15 million. I don't mind that too much either. I think that'll be a deal they probably try and get out of in two or three years when some of their ELCs need to be paid. Um, but you know, again, it's not the end of the world. So, lots to still go on. I think you know by the time you're all listening to this, there'll probably be even another trade. I I really hope draft day is just absolutely as crazy as you know they they always promise and. And, you know, we have a bunch of trades and stuff like that and and crazy stuff happens. But uh, what's for sure is there's definitely going to be a ton of movement between now and the next time Chase and I record a podcast, which will be early next week. I think we're probably going to either aim for Sunday or Monday. So that would be, I believe, the, uh, the second at that point. Um, and we're probably gonna do a 2 parter I, I would assume you know there'll be probably so much to talk about that we will split up into an east and west episode. So uh thank you everyone so much for listening. As I mentioned, Chase will be back next week. Uh, you can check all his work out on his substack, which you can find on Twitter at CMHockey66. You can find all my work at lastwordonhockey.com, my other podcast, Last Word on Sends Podcast, wherever you're listening to this. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at NHL and stuff. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week.